Welcome to Boston's Best of Metro West podcast, where you go behind the scenes with financial planner Mark Condon as he asks industry-leading experts in the Metro West area of Massachusetts to talk about their businesses. Mark will find out what sets these companies apart from their competition and how they rose above the inevitable challenges they faced along the way to their ultimate success. And now, here's your host, Mark Condon. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to Episode 5 of Boston's Best of Metro West Podcast. The goal of this podcast is to highlight businesses in the Metro West area of Massachusetts. My guests on today's podcast are Rick and Mike Lombardi. They are father and son and the owners of the Vin Bin and the Donut Stand. The Vin Bin has two locations in Marlboro, one in Southborough, and one in Hopkinson. They started the Vin Bin in 2004 as a small wine and cheese shop in the first Marlboro location, which is an old fire station. In 2012, Michael created the cafe inside the Vin Bin. The goal of the cafe was to sell 50 sandwiches a day. That would have been considered a success. They ended up selling 50 sandwiches every half hour, which allowed them to open their second location in Southborough, a big cafe. In this episode, we talk in depth about how much focus is put on the quality of their foods. It took them a year just to get the recipe right for their brisket. They layer their sandwiches with multiple spreads to get the perfect sensation when you bite into them. All of their cheeses and breads are locally sourced from the best farms around. The cafes weren't enough, though. In April of 2020, they incorporated the donut stand. All of their donuts are made with fresh ingredients. You have to try their fresh strawberry-filled donut. They talk about how they've adapted to COVID with a four-pack of donuts for curbside pickup, which has been a huge hit. And be sure to listen to the end as Rick and Mike share what's next for the Vin Bin and the thoughts behind opening up more locations outside of Massachusetts as well as keeping the business within the family in perpetuity with Mike's two children. And so, with that introduction, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Boston's Best of Metro West. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to episode five of Boston's Best of Metro West podcast. This week on the podcast, I have a father-son duo, Rick and Mike Lombardi. They own the Vin Bin and the donut stand in Marlboro. How are you guys? Great. Thank you for having us tonight. Thank you. Absolutely. Pumped to have you guys on. Like I was saying, I was there yesterday and it was truthfully, that was the first time we had been there. My wife and I, and we walked in, she goes, this is a really cute spot. This is really nice. We looked at the outdoor patio section. She's like, we have to come back here and just hang out one day in the afternoon. So definitely plan on, on doing that. You know, give us a little introduction. How do you guys start how long ago was the vin bin started and then how long has the donut stand been going on for well i first met michael about 31 years ago (laughs) (laughs) from there i raised him to to be the best chef on the east coast nice (laughs) quite kidding Um, (laughs) we started the vin bin back in 2004 as a small wine and cheese shop and as we uh as we grew along in marlboro uh, michael had, had a great passion for cooking and somewhere during those few years that we were growing, Michael said he wanted to uh, participate and create either a, a restaurant or a cafe within the Bin Bin uh, because he thought it would be perfect uh, combination of both. So as we grew along and, and we, we moved into this new location in the fire station in 2011, uh, Michael jumped in about a year or so later and created the cafe all on his own, all on his own thinking and his own creation, recipes, everything was uh, based on what he knew and what he had been trained in. Uh, that started out, our first goal, I believe, was to sell about 50 sandwiches a day. That was it. We thought if we could do that, it would be a success. But we do about 50 sandwiches uh, in a half hour. 
So wow. we use uh, like that every day. And uh, we can we expanded into a second location in Southborough where there's a big cafe. Third location in Hopkinton, which is just our beer and wine shop and cheese store. And a fourth location in Marlborough, which is another beer, wine, and cheese shop. So we've got four locations. Two of them offer up the cafe. And now Michael is uh, taking it upon himself to create even another portion of that, and that's the donut stand. That is just a, an array of amazing donuts. And Michael will tell you more about that. But when he goes online and starts to uh, offer his donuts for sale, unless you buy them in the first five minutes, you don't get to buy them. Yeah, I can attest to that personally. I, apparently, my wife had reached out to Michael because she had, uh, when we ordered them for Father's Day, she apparently missed the cutoff. She had texted me. She said, oh, no. She's like, I missed it. She's like, what do I do? I was like, I don't know. And she, said, she sent an, a message on Instagram. And she was like, he was so nice. He was able to help me out. So yeah, so that's pretty that's pretty amazing how quickly you guys sell out. I did not know you had four locations. I did not know that. So what were they in Marlboro, Southboro, Hopkinton? Yeah, we have two in Marlboro. We've got one on downtown Marlboro in just a beer and wine shop on the uh, side next to a supermarket. Okay, okay. And how long ago was the first one open? 2004. 2004. Wow, going on 16 years now. Yes. That's amazing. How, how long until the second location was opened? Well, let's see. We moved into the fire station 2011, and we opened the second location 2012, 2013. And that's when Michael began developing the cafe. And then we moved into the South. We added the South one two years after that. Okay. And uh, we added the last one uh, at the beginning of last year, 2019. Wow. Amazing. So cafe was going so well you just got bored and you just want to open up another another silo and just started with the donuts i mean it was it was going so well you just need to find something else to do well i always said that we keep on opening stores till we get them right <laughs> but actually for michael michael's cafes are, are really the engine that drives the bin bin now uh, because of his specialty cooking i don't know if you know that but his wife hannah is also our chef so the have tremendous restaurant background training. And these aren't your normal sandwiches here. You won't find the kinds of combinations and recipes and flavors in any sandwich anywhere in this area. They've got some very unique and special sandwiches that are hard to find other than here. Oh, get out. Is there a couple that you can share with us? A couple a couple of your favorites that you won't find elsewhere? Yeah. Uh, well, we, we try to um, stick with just the best quality ingredients, you know, what we can source locally, sustainably. Um, so that's kind of how we built our uh, businesses off quality. We have a couple different sandwiches. It took us a while to kind of figure out we make a Reuben. And for some time, we were trying to figure out a, a brining recipe for the brisket. Um, it's got to have, you know, the right amount of salt, the right amount of spice. It's got to age long enough before you can cook it. So um, it took us almost a year, salt, sugar, everything. But, um, now it's it's probably one of our top selling sandwiches, um, and uh, we're pretty proud about that one. We have a, a meatball sandwich called Grandma's Meatballs. Growing up, his mom, we would go to her house all the time, and she would just have this be like nine ten a.m. in the morning. She would have meatballs on for dinner. <laughs> so letting them sit all day and simmer, and just we'd hang out and then eat, eat in the afternoon. And that was one of my uh, most fun 
food memories. So I try to recreate it a little bit through a sandwich. We call it grandma's meatball. So I use uh, a recipe that I learned from her and kind of just kept it simple. It meatballs, cheese, little soy aioli spread on it and some fresh basil. And uh, it's probably uh, another one of our top selling sandwiches. Michael's underselling it a little bit. What he's not telling you is that to make the type of sandwiches that he makes, he doesn't just put ingredients in. He actually, he layers, he layers the sandwiches with different sauces and different ingredients. So as you're biting into it, you're getting the flavor of several different sensations. And that's what makes the sandwich special. Mm. Mustard on a turkey sandwich. It's two or three types of spreads. It may be a, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, but when you bite it all together, that all comes together in a very special way, and that's what gives you that flavor that is that is unmatched. That's awesome. I love different spreads. I can't just do the one. I've asked my wife. I love spreads. We're going to have to come by. She'll probably have the Reuben. I'll go for the meatball sandwich if I had, to, if I had to guess. You brought up one thing I would love to talk about. You said locally sourced. You try to focus on locally sourced. I think just right now with everything that's gone on, that's part of the reason why I wanted to start this podcast is to promote local businesses. So it's great to hear that you guys are doing, you know, you focus on locally sourced and the great products. What are, uh, where are some of the, the places you get the, the products from? A lot of our produce when it's available, uh, we get right around here. Actually, our farmer just texted me the other day and said, hey, listen, we got a ton of greens, we got a ton of vegetables. And, you know, with all the restaurants being at half volumes, like I, I I need some buyers and people to move out the stuff. I said, well, that's the whole reason why we started this relationship was to have some of the best uh, quality uh, produce in the area and have a good relationship with our suppliers. So that's, those are what pretty much how we, we built ourselves off that too. And coming from the city where you work in farm to table restaurants and every other restaurant on the street is doing that. We're out here in Auburn where you don't see that a lot. You see a lot of commercial restaurants and just, 99s and whatnot but so we're trying to change that a little bit out here with what we do but i think some people are understanding and enjoying it too yeah we use a farm called applefield farm in stowe we use a country hen we get fresh eggs get fresh cream highland dairy farms in massachusetts we get a ton of cheeses from massachusetts farm vermont maine new hampshire you know we get east coast of almost all of our cheeses and it's just and our bread, our bread, we use Iggy's. It took me a while to uh, to get Iggy's out here because they only have a very specific route. They don't enter that far off of it. And then finally, they're eight years later since the cafe's been open. They're like, hey, you want our bread still? And we're like, yes. <laughs> so we finally signed on with them. And it's like the best bread we can get from the city. It, it makes the sandwich itself. So it's, it's just, that's the best part of it what we're able to do now. So that's awesome. Speaking of local, I mean, we don't have to get into it too much. I'm sure I think COVID gets enough conversation as it is, but how, how has it affected you guys over the past, over the past few months? You know, and how has the like community been as far as supporting you guys, as far as local businesses go? They've come out to support local restaurants. They really have, and we've appreciated it and we're very thankful for it. Uh, they know that they've got to support local and not just us, but all the folks up and down the street here who have establishments, people have been coming in every night, ordering more sandwiches, ordering uh, takeout wine and beer. We've been doing a lot more delivery curbside, uh, but they want to support us. They want to spend their money here, which is great. We've been very happy with, with their response and we're very grateful. for them. That's awesome. Yeah. And I think, I don't know, I, I've noticed that a lot. 
with all this going on right now is people, I think, become self-aware of that local businesses are where they want to spend their money. They want they where they want to spend their time. You know, like you said, the 99, like chain restaurants, people want to spend the money on local businesses. Because like you said, you put value, you make sure you get a quality, you know, the quality product to serve that. It's not just the, it's not just the generic plate of food. These are special foods that you guys put a lot of effort into. As far as business goes, how has COVID affected you guys from a business standpoint? Now that things are starting to open up, um, have you seen a little bit of an uptick in the last couple of weeks? Uh, Well, we've got our patio open, so we'll be able to draw more people into the patio. But there's one thing we can also do under a special license issued by the city of Marlboro. We're able to sell beer and wine as a restaurant on our patio just outside just to attract more people downtown. We're one of the few places that have a natural patio. And we've always had a patio, but now we can offer uh, beverages every day of the week if people want to come down. Uh, enjoy some food and a, a nice beer and wine out, outside. And, and luckily for us, the weather's been fantastic. So we're able to do that. And once uh, now that we can open up inside, we'll be able to offer both inside and outside, just like everyone else up and down uh, the main street. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You guys, one thing I would love to touch on is the Marlboro location, that old firehouse, or one of the two Marlboro locations. That is awesome. That is such a cool spot to have that in. How um, was that? vacant for a while? Did you guys jump on it when they, did they move to a different location or how did that, you don't see that too often. How did you guys get that location? So this building was vacant for 15 years and the new owners bought it from the the city, uh, tried to get restaurants to come in here, but it was just too small for a restaurant. And there was some uh, issues of building here. The neighbors did not want any type of restaurant that had uh, venting. They didn't want to smell French fries all day, all day and all night because there's, there's actually housing right behind the building. Oh, okay. Could have shot down a lot of restaurant opportunities. It was actually my wife who wandered over here one day and bumped into the owner of the, the building, and she said, "Now nah, we're going to move into this place." And when we came in here, it was pretty much a barn, all exposed ceilings. It was it was pretty disastrous. But the new owners wanted us in here, so they worked very hard on getting it built up, restoring a lot of things at the old fire station, did a lot of work for us to, to uh, retain its charm, and it's worked out fantastically. It, it couldn't have asked for a better location. It's a really cool location. We As we were driving, we pulled up to it, and we were looking for I was like, wait a second, is it in the firehouse? She said, yeah, I think yeah. so. We're pulling away. She's like, that is just the coolest location to have. It's just different. You know, it's unique. It, it stands out. It's, it's got a cool feel to it, too, when you walk inside of it. Um, yeah, it's one of the iconic buildings of the city. It's yeah. built about 1908. So wow. it's for a while. Wow, that's awesome. I was looking at, you know, so I think I tagged you guys yesterday when I put in the donuts on social media. And I tagged the Lost Shoe Brew, too. Because I noticed that you guys either partnered up with them or they, or they, you guys aren't the same company, but you had beers from them in there. And it also said the donut stand and it looked like it had the Lost Shoe Brew logo on it. Is that correct? Yeah. How yeah. is that relationship? Well, they're, they're in business uh, maybe a year, a little over a year old. Um, it's a brewery and a coffee roaster in Marlboro. We buy a lot of their beer uh, wholesale from them and we resell it through our, our retail end. People, I mean, people love it. It's, it's good local beer. The brewer, actually, JP, uh, reached out to me one day and said, okay, well, I've got this idea. I want to make a donut beer. So he's just, you know, I supply the donuts and 
throws them in his mash and, and makes beer. <laughs> That's pretty much how it happened. And um, we connected on it and we put the donut stand label on the can and pretty much how it is. It's, a, it's an imperial stout. It's a very dark, rich 12% uh, beer. It's, it's pretty tasty. It's, it's, a, it's a nice beer and we've got a lot of good feedback over it. So it was a fun project. Yeah, I'll give you some more feedback. It was very good. I had it. Yeah, I had it yesterday, and I brought it over. And you know, I wasn't planning on on picking it up. My wife went to grab the donuts, and then I was, we walked in. I said, "Oh wow, this is pretty cool. Like, let's pick up some bourbon." I was picking up some bourbon anyways, so I picked up the four roses, and then I walked by the, the refrigerator, and I'm just a big stout guy, and I see this. It's just calling my name, and I, I grabbed it. And I was like, "No, no, no! I got to put it back. Like, I didn't come for this." And then my wife says, just grab it. I'm like, all right. So I grabbed it <laughs> and we brought it over and, you know, was hanging out by the pool and he said, you're going to have it. I said, I mean, it's 95 degrees out right now, 90 degrees. Oof. I want to wait until tonight. And I having a, having a 12% stout by the pool. I mean, I'm going to knock me out with the, with the 90 degree heat, you know? So we got home and I had it, I had it last night and it was phenomenal. I shoot for 10%, 10% or more is kind of my go-to <laughs> these days. I don't do the light beer stuff. So. I like a nice heavy stout, but you gotta save them for the you gotta save them for the evenings. You can't have it in the middle yeah, of the no. day. It's just a different feel. So we had the bourbon in the middle of the day, along with a couple donuts, and then the the stout last night. So we had a it was all vin bin oh donut stand last night. It was a great way to spend a day. <laughs> it was a solid yeah. day. It was a solid day. Um, another thing about the donut stand, so it's considered what's called a pop up shop. Is that right? So what what exactly is that? It's a once in a while type event. Like we'll, we'll okay. pop somewhere. We'll, we'll, we've done um, brewery. We've done events at breweries, um, offsite locations. We we go from bin bin to bin bin and hold them at Poppington or our other Marlboro uh, shop. And uh, pretty much we make the donuts in the morning from scratch and then pack them all up and then go and set up like a, a table or any type of thing you would see at a farmer's market and, um, and just sell them right there at the table. And, that's that's kind of how it all started. That's pretty cool. So you just make a set amount for the day, and that's what you're gonna sell for the. You just go there until you, until you sell out, pretty much. Before what's what we were doing before COVID, uh, we would make uh, X amount of donuts, and depending on where we were going, we, how much we would bring. But um, with COVID and restrictions, and you no, know, we don't want a line forming. We don't want handling of food. We came up with these donut four packs, so pre-packaged, four different flavors. Everybody gets the same thing, boxed up just drive by and pick it up and we sit in our parking lot and then people drive up in like a, like a drive through and they say, Hey, what, what's your name? And <laughs> put it online. It was prepaid for pre-ordered online. And um, I said, Hey, give me your box. And they, they go off. Yeah. Sometimes they buy stuff from the store and we'll do like a little curbside pickup with donuts. And it works out great. It's smart. It's exactly what breweries are doing right now with the curbside pickup and yeah, you know, the yeah. curb, they have the four packs and it's very smart. It's a very good way to, to do that. Do you guys have, I guess uh, I don't know if you'll be able to answer this. I was going to say, do you have any events lined up for, say, the second half of the year? But I guess that's all kind of COVID dependent right now, right? I mean, we're kind of playing it by ear right now. With yeah. Events, but this is working out really well for us. And it's it's very easy and, and it's easy for people also. And we, we've kind of created a system where, okay, once we release it on social media or whatnot, when we're doing this, we'll have it in their brains. Okay, this is this is now the process of how to do it. It makes it makes sense for everybody, and uh, I don't I don't know if we'll ever go back to going just <laughs> a bunch of donuts and selling them because this is a uh, this is working out well for us. 
I think um, everybody gets a, also a taste of, of each different donut, which we want them to. You don't want them just right. to go up and buy 10 of the same donuts. We, we want them to try a little bit of everything. Really, so. Absolutely. What's you two's favorite donuts? <laughs> we just I'm, I'm imagining you've sampled all of them by now, right? <laughs> well, we just we just talked about that. I I love I love the jelly filled. Now Michael makes a special strawberry filling, fresh strawberry. So Ooh. it's it's nothing out of a out of a jar or of a can. He he has he got fresh strawberries, whips it up. I don't know what else he puts in it, and then he puts it in this delicious jelly stuffed donut. That's my favorite. That that's all I need. I don't need anything else. <laughs> What about you, Mike? I grew up, I was eating Dunkin' Donuts every weekend, and my favorite was Boston cream. So I, I like a, I like a good Boston cream donut, really good filling, really good chocolate, and a really good donut base. And we kind of recreated Father's Day pop-up yesterday with those flavors. It is strawberry jelly, my Boston cream, and my father-in-law, he would always have a bag of those powdered donuts, <laughs> the Hostess donuts. Uh-huh. We made these giant, old-fashioned powdered sugar donuts but they're all they're all uh, homemade and those all the fillings everything is we get our strawberries locally we make our pastry creams all of our chocolates we use uh, very high-end chocolate we use a lot of Elrona, a lot of calibo and just the, the ingredients really speak for themselves so that's, and that's kind of what, what we've been doing yeah you guys hit the two on the head because i was gonna say yesterday the three pack we picked up was obviously that and i am just like you mike i am i'm a boston cream guy through and through. We took just a little a little piece of each donut because they were for my father-in-law, but my wife took the the strawberry filled one and she her head snapped me like that is so good. Like that was hands down her favorite one. I'm I'm a big Boston cream guy myself. So I would be curious because truthfully, four, five, six years ago, I was looking in I did I did not get very far, but I was percolating with the idea of opening up a gourmet donut shop. And I really wanted to. And then I just, I didn't actually follow through with that. A lot of people really wanted me to try it. I lived in Easton and it's right, right near Stonehill College. So I'm like, oh man, I'm going to have a bunch of, you know, drunk college kids. Like they're just going to want to have a whole bunch of gourmet donuts nonstop. And I just never actually ended up doing it. So from starting, did you know how to make donuts? Did you hire a pastry chef? You said your wife is a chef. Is she a pastry chef or Hannah? Uh, Hannah, she actually, she's um, no, she doesn't have a, a much of a pastry background. She worked, she's more of a, she worked at um, Sarma and Oleana and uh, in Cambridge and yep. uh, Somerville. So she does a lot of the cafe food now. She's taking over a lot of the menu. Yeah, I guess as, as far as the baking part goes, I my first real baking job was at Sofra in Cambridge for Marco Patrick. I got a part-time assistant pastry gig at Trade in downtown Boston. It's just the people that you work with and the knowledge and experience they have just soak up as much as possible can with as much possible hands-on as you can learn. No, when I came out here, we, we talked about maybe baking our own bread at first, but it's definitely a different lifestyle baking and donut making is even more different lifestyle because it's overnight. Or if you're prepared to, to figure out that, then it's, it's not for everybody, but you have to know that's what you want to do. You know, you might want to do it for a couple months and then be like, oh, it was fun, but I'm good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah this is just something we, we, we love doing. It, and it's a lot of fun. Um, I'm not really a, well, after, after I had kids, you don't sleep much overnight and you're up <laughs> early or you're up late. And, and then it's just, 
just like, well, it's just going to go to work. So if I can do that with my two kids and, you know, we'll just start making donuts too. Yeah, because you have to start early, right? If you're making them fresh, this isn't stuff that you made a week ago and they're just still hanging around. I mean, have they made the night before or they made the morning of? Um, it depends what type of dough really you're making, but our doughs are brioche um, fermented for a good a good fermentation period is, is at least you know 18 to 24 hours before you cook it. So it's 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 a lot of there's a lot of things that go into the dough making process, which we, we don't really have to get into. But um, yeah, it takes it takes a day for the dough to be created naturally on its own after you mix, and then um, you roll it, cut it, and proof it about two three in the morning. And then you're frying by five or six. If we have an event at 11, we fry around four or 5 a.m. If we have an event at nine, we're frying at three, 4 a.m. So yeah, there's sometimes I'm in there at midnight or I'm in there at three and yeah, you want to be as fresh as possible. So you don't want to fry too, too early, but you also need to have a system. Yeah, absolutely. So do you sleep at all? <laughs> <laughs> well, if I can get my kids in by seven, seven thirty, I get a good four hours, but it never works like that. So you just, you figure it out. But, yeah. Um, but my wife is, is, you know, she's on, she's on that end of it. She always is there to uh, help with the kids while I do the donuts. And so that's how we kind of work together on that. That's fair. Work at the cafe. So this is, donuts are kind of just a side project for us. The donut seems like it's going to be a staple though for a while. Yeah. yeah. With the turnouts we've had and the interest, and I, you know, I don't see why we would stop doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's funny because like the gourmet donut industry has really... I'd say take like really grown over the last what three to five years yeah, or so, absolutely. something like that. Absolutely. Any idea why, or is it just? I think it's the. I, I don't know. I think it's the new generation of people that they love the trend of not going to a cookie cutter donut shop and places are these gourmet donut shops are opening two, three, four locations of their own now, having different outlets and all throughout the city. So it's out here, there's they don't have there's nothing like that. So that's what we're kind of kind of working on. So five years from now, when we do this again, you guys gonna have something else? Like you gonna have like a pizza section out of here, like gourmet pizza? <laughs> Never know. Never. <laughs> hey, we got a pretty good pizza recipe. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Grandma's pizza. No one made pizza like she did. Pizza and meatballs, huh? Oh yeah. Same grandma. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. She was the mother of our cuisine. Yeah. <laughs> We'll have to try that. We'll have to try that as well. What's next? I mean, I guess 2020 is kind of, I don't know if we can really compare 2020 to any other years, but where do you guys, you know, see this one year, five, you know, is Mike going to end up taking this over at, over time or what's that plan look like? Well, our, our plan is always to continue. The movement is, is going to continue into uh, perpetuity. We, we want this to, to be a long, long-term uh, uh, store or operation. I think we did. We did have some plans that we were talking about. I think for the next few months, we just want to see how the world is going to shake out for a while. Uh, hopefully, things return somewhat to normal, and, and within six months, we can get back on track. But there's no reason for us to think that what we've created and and the the, the types of things we do can't be uh, done elsewhere in different locations to see if it's still available for us to do that, if there, if there are locations that we want uh, are available to us. And who knows, maybe it's not just Massachusetts, maybe it's the East Coast. Don't know. Every day is a new day for us and a new opportunity. 
yeah, I mean, I like I said, I didn't know you even know you guys had four locations. It's amazing. So I don't see there's no reason to believe it's gonna slow down anytime soon. COVID's not gonna COVID's not gonna stop you guys. Outside of it doesn't I don't know if there is much outside of the Vin Bin and the Donut Stand, but outside of all of this, what 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 do you two enjoy? It seems like you're working around the clock. Do you guys have any hobbies outside of this? Anything you enjoy in the area, traveling? I enjoy his kids. <laughs> My hobby. <laughs> Uh, we we actually travel, um, but, but but it's all a, a busman's holiday. When I travel, it's to the vineyards, either to California or to France, Spain, Italy. And I think when Michael travels, it's to Portland, Maine, and into farms. So we where we travel, we travel to places that are part of what we do. Yeah. Is that what we like to do? And for me, I, when I come to work, for me, it's not work. I don't. I wouldn't know what to do if I wasn't going to come here. So we like to do things that are associated with this. I do anyway. You may have a different start. What about yourself, Mike? My wife and I are big foodies. So if we have a chance to sneak up to Portland where her family's from and uh, we can go out and try out some new restaurants and new, new, new happenings with what's going on. Um, yeah, we, we just love exploring new places. And even around here, um, there's new um, breweries or whatnot. We Family-friendly places now. It's easier yeah. to do stuff. Um, that's what we do. We we look for somewhere to eat. <laughs> always eat. That's all. That's pretty much what we do. Same here. We're always looking for new places in the area to eat. What are, What are some of your favorites? I mean, selfishly, I'll, I'm going to reach out to them to see if they want to be on the podcast as well. Oh, uh, out out here, out in the city, uh, in the Metro West area, out here, anywhere out here. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a cool uh, Lost You. You know, they they've got a great program. Yeah coffee and beer when you can go in there and hang out and sit and that's a nice place um hannah and i uh we like to take a drive out to a place called stone cow so it's a brewery and barbecue play an ice cream shop and farm it's it's in barry it's about you know 30 40 minutes but it's a day's worth of having fun and, and it's good for the kids and um, they've got great food yeah and then we we like to head a little towards the city when we can sarma of course in somerville there's a place called Sycamore in Newton. It was one of my favorite restaurants. Um, Dave Punch, the chef, he's a really nice guy. Yeah, we'll have to check him out. Uh, you mentioned the kid uh, family friendly. How many? How old are your kids? How many kids do you have? I have two, uh, and they are three and one and a half. Nice, nice. Maybe maybe yeah. they'll uh, end up in this industry at some point. Oh yeah, yeah. every day. They're His daughter. <laughs> she's employee of the month every month. <laughs> Hard. Yeah. <laughs> They're official taste testers of everything. <laughs> That's not a bad job. That's a great no. job for a three-year-old and or one-year-old to it's easy. It's easy for people to come in here, even any family and with yeah. their kids. You know, most shops like that, you're not sure if you want to approach with, with your families and whatnot, but they actually welcome that. You want to come in here and hang out. And Absolutely. Rick, you said something that I thought of too is, you know, you enjoy what you do, so you don't know if you'll ever retire. I feel the same way. I mean, I ask people a lot of, without being, aside from being physically or mentally incapable of working, do you ever think you will retire? Because I, truthfully, it just seems boring. To me. It's, my, it, no, my, my wife and I talk about this all the time. She's a, she's a nurse practitioner and she does not see herself ever stepping down from assisting people and, and helping people. And I, I don't know what I'd do if I couldn't come here and help people out pick wine or just enjoy the day, enjoy the staff. I, I don't know what, what else would I do? I, I couldn't find anything else. I struggle with that myself. I, I get I get bored super easy. I said on another episode, and my wife will 
not like if I continue to say this on a lot of episodes, but I get bored very easily, right? I mean, we went to we went to Hawaii for uh, two weeks, and I'm the only person that can go to Hawaii for two weeks and come back white. You know, like I just I don't I don't tan like, but like sitting sitting outside in 90 degree heat all day long, it's not as fun for me. You know, it's it's a lot more fun for her. She's part Armenian. She gets dark, but not not me. So you know, going away, time away is fun, and then. I just miss it. And I just, I, if you enjoy what you do, you know, it doesn't really actually feel like work. And, you know, from year to year, I get, like I said, this year might be obviously a little bit different, but how, how do you two define success each year? You know, I mean, there's a lot of different ways you can probably, I don't know if it's something that has to be a monetary or a measurable number, but maybe this year it could be just getting through and still having a positive growth year, even though all of this nonsense happened. How do you two define success each year within the Vin Bin and the Donut Stand and everything you have? Well, I think if you, you can always look at it monetarily uh, and it's always going to be up and down uh, because that's just the, the cycle of business. And if you ride that cycle all the time, you're going to have ups, you're going to have downs. But for me, I define uh, the success here is knowing that I see same customers coming in and always being entertained or thanking us for being here. Uh, if at the end of the day, we knew that we helped people uh, find what they were looking for and they left with a smile on their face, uh, and if they always come back, if, if we retain our loyal customers, that for me is successful. That means we've got something that people want and people need. Uh, whether or not there's a big number at the end or a small number at the end, it doesn't really matter if the customers aren't happy with it. So as long as our customers are happy with us and they enjoy seeing us and they enjoy coming here, that for us is, is successful. I couldn't agree more. Uh, I think the reason why you have four locations is value. You know, you actually, you care about the customers. You guys care about the quality, the value that you bring and helping people out. That doesn't happen. You know, you don't grow four, four locations if, if you don't have those type of values. So I'm not exactly surprised. What about yourself, Mike? Same, same type of answer? Pretty much it. And, you know, it, like you said, when you see the same people coming back and what we try to do as, as cooks and we try to create new buzz in the store or new menu items or new events or small little barbecues or whatnot to, to keep people engaged and keep people happy so that they're, they're not just coming back and seeing the same thing, the same thing. Over. So we have to keep everything fresh and new. Yeah. Then you see, you see either an uptick on business or you think you're doing the right thing. And you know, if, you're, if something slows down, then you, constantly work to see how you can correct it but that's that's what we do every day and try to learn new things every day and that's how like you said the four stores and and our customer base is how we define success yeah that's fair no that's awesome i i couldn't agree more i think value is everything and when something like a worldwide pandemic happens the fact that you guys have value and quality and loyal customers is why you're still able to continue to be a business. So I think that's huge. I love the ingenuity. I really, you know, this whole thing, I think as terrible as it has been for some, for some people, this created a lot of ingenuity for a lot of businesses to get creative with the way, with the way they do stuff. You know, you guys have done the, the curbside pickup with the four pack donuts, you know, you're doing the, the virtual wine tasting. Like, There's a lot of really cool stuff that might not have tried otherwise and, and not realized how successful it is. So that's pretty cool. Hey. Necessity is the mother of invention. Remember that. Absolutely. I, I totally agree. I totally agree. I know the the Instagram for the donut stand is at the donut stand, right? Or is it at donut stand? 
Uh, yeah, underscore donuts. Yep. Underscore donuts. Does the VinBin have something as well? Yeah, we've got an VinBin Instagram along with a Facebook and what else do we have? A Twitter? We have a Twitter, yeah. Facebook. Yeah. Well, thank you guys very much for, for being on here. I really appreciated the time. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. It was really cool to learn about you guys. Uh, this is Michael and Rick Lombardi of the VinBin and the Donut Stand. So be sure to check them out and I'll talk to you guys soon. Thank, Thank you. you for having us. Absolutely.